Welcome to the like, Destiny Podcast. So we've been talking a lot about our beliefs and, and you know, um, how, how much our beliefs dictate what we do. You know, I mean, ultimately, right believing leads to right living. And if you try and do right living without the right believing, you might eventually, by osmosis, somehow get a bit of right believing. But you really need to put the cart before the horse. And um, I wanted today, like, this is going to be a lot more of a, a fluid. I just want to throw out some concepts to you because I want to give you some stuff that might give you a, a framework. Um, in fact, the next couple of sessions, I'm probably going to talk about a couple of topics that um, a lot of people have quite a rigid belief in. This is what we believe. And actually, I want to give you a few other options. And I'm not going to tell you which is right because, quite frankly, I have my opinion, but I don't know what is, quote unquote, right. Um, but what I want to do is give you a few options so that you can actually explore how to apply your beliefs. Um, because oftentimes we can't actually, if we want to live right, we need to believe right. But oftentimes we're not given a framework to believe well, if that makes sense. Um, and so because we've got a box like this, you know, you might grow up in a church where they say, well, healing's not for today. It's going to be really hard for you to heal the sick because you can't even believe for healing the sick. And so if you can't believe to heal the sick, how are you supposed to heal the sick? You know, and so you need to all of a sudden get exposed to teaching of like, well, actually healing is for today. There's nothing in the Bible that says it's stopped. There's nothing in the Bible that doesn't allow for healing. Um, and so um, I guess what I wanted to touch on is how do we view um, eternal life? How do we view heaven and hell? Um, and it's quite a, an interesting topic because um, for most Christians in the Western world, there is only one way to view heaven and hell. And that is you say a prayer at some point in your life and you go to heaven. You don't say that prayer, you'll be going to hell. And it's a very rigid, that's what it looks like and that's how it works. Um, and again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's, that's the only framework we have to then apply a belief that will then lead to how we do our life. You know, because... How we see heaven and hell has a very real bearing on our, our lives, right? How we see um, salvation, how we see the eternal um, destiny of people has a very real uh, impact on how we relate to them on a day-to-day -day level, has a very real impact on how we evangelize, has a very real impact on, um, yeah, the urgency to tell people about Jesus and to save them from hell, you know? Um, and so... What I want to do is I want to discuss that topic and that theology and just and look at, um, is that the only thing the church has ever believed? Um, does a, has a church always believed that? Um, is it biblical? Um, is there anything else that is allowed within the, the constructs of Christianity? Within Christianity, is there more options than if you don't say the prayer, you go to hell. If you do say the prayer, you go to heaven. Um, First of all, the prayer isn't in the Bible. So that's a big problem, right? So even, even at the very root of the issue, we take away heaven and hell and we just look at the, the system of how people get saved. In the Bible, no one you know, goes to the front of a church and says a prayer. There's many ways people get saved. In fact, multiple, well over a dozen different ways. And often they're incompatible with each other. Sometimes they don't even work together. And so Jesus says to one person, you're saved because your friends believed. Can you imagine you did that in church? Can you imagine someone comes to church? Um, uh, Rachel brings a friend to church and Andy goes up to her and says, you're saved. You're going to heaven because Rachel's your friend. That would be a controversial thing, right? That's not what Christians believe. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And yet Jesus does it to some random guy. And, and so, all, and I'm not saying that's the theology. I'm not saying that we should do that. But I'm just saying the Bible isn't this um, cookie cutter system where we have a nice clean cut prayer um, and in the same way the bible doesn't give us a cookie cutter answer on what does heaven and hell look like so if i was to ask you what do you think heaven looks like you might all give different answers right what, what would you say would, is your picture of heaven what do you think we'll be doing for eternity donuts i hope so i hope you're right as long as it's Krispy Kreme and not duncan um fried Mars bars. You guys, you're on the right page. You might just want to move to Scotland, actually. Um, uh, I've just found out that heaven is Scotland. <laughs> fried Mars bars and donuts, everyone. Uh, come on, what, what else? What would you say heaven looks like? Pearly gates, golden streets, yeah. 
Anything else? Moses will be there. He must have said the prayer. It'll be fine. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Lots of worship and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So like intense version of like the 24 hour worship movement. Just awe, like real awe of seeing God. Yeah. What about hell? What do you think hell looks like? Loneliness. Loneliness. Just, what does that mean? Like nothingness or? Are you going on your own? Like no one else is there? (laughs) I'm joking. Yeah, absolutely. So fear and yeah, just all these these antitheses of um, of what God is. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? So we're just discussing um, heaven and hell, and what do we think they look like? So we're, right now we're just, what does hell look like? What do, what do you think of when we talk about hell? And um, we're going to talk about what you know to what degree that's or necessarily biblical or not and um yeah Nicola, what, what would you say you would picture hell in, in your understanding of yeah ha- what so then um let me ask this who goes to heaven and hell? So, you know, I'm joking about like, well, you say a prayer, and you get in, you get out. But I, and I'm also saying, well, it's not as clear cut as that, is it? You know, because it's not a, a fixed, you pray the prayer because there's no prayer in the Bible. And in the Bible, there's some people that did it one way and some people did it another way. And I mean, some people, you know, they got saved and then their whole family just get baptized and are called believers. And it's like, well, did they, did they have a revelation as well? Did they have an encounter? Because in the Bible, it doesn't say anything about that. And I, and I presume maybe. Maybe not. I mean, I don't know. And so there's all these different things. So in your head, when you think of, okay, heaven and hell, who's going to each location? Like, what, what's the, how do you draw the line? You know, what, where's the line and, and who's on each side of it? Does, does that make sense? Carl, you got a thought? Okay. So, and yeah, that's, so we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's um, probably um, ultimate reconciliation, maybe even leaning towards, well, yeah, probably leaning towards Christian universalism and uh, the concept that um, hell is a real reality, but it's a redemptive reality that, that you choose to go through, but it does come to an end at some point. You go through hell to get to, uh, you know, experiencing God for his goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a big topic as well, because what we'll find is when we actually start looking at the scriptures, most of the scriptures that talk about hell and most of the scriptures that talk about heaven are not talking about after you die. They're talking about today. Um, what about some of you guys? What, what are some of your thoughts on it? Anyone have different views on like how, uh, who goes where or what it looks like? I think for me it was always clear, like I always see Jesus coming, and I said the prayer, Jesus away to give me life, and how long to do, and how long to yeah. just like forever. Um, and I always like this hell, you know, like burn, just burn, fire, that's why I have a knife and there. But I got a bit just, you know, as I heard some talking, as I also read some stuff in the, in the Bible about you know, what you were just saying, actually, about the couple of times that um, it's happening here right now. 
I can feel it. So at the moment, it is like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. And it's like also, I'm not that much farther. So to me, it's like, does it matter that much at the moment? Like, yeah. Also, is it not just because the way of I used to think, if it is like this, then I really need to, if it is like that, people only come to heaven when they say this prayer, then I really make, need to convict people and make, yeah. them, make them say the prayer right away. Like, but it never worked like that. So I'm like, even if it would be like this still, I still, I wouldn't look different than yeah. I just love people. I would embrace them. I would share them, you know, like I experience. Yeah. So at the moment, it's, I'm still praying about it. So I hope that I, that I will get more clarity about it someday. Mm. But at the moment, I don't know. Yeah. And that's an important thing to note is that um, whilst many Christians have a black and white, this is how it is, um, the truth is that Christianity historically has never been black and white on the topic, and there is no need to be black and white on the topic. Your, your salvation is not determined on what heaven and hell look like. Your salvation is determined on what Jesus looks like. And so, um, you know, throughout history, the church has always had different views on the topic, and they, they've all seen each other as brothers and sisters in Christ because we're not saved based on our theology on heaven and hell. We're saved by our theology of Jesus. Um, Jesus is, is the Savior, um, not our doctrine on heaven and hell. And actually, like you said, what happens later, this eternal side of heaven and hell, is actually a lot less important than the, the now version of heaven and hell. Um, yeah, Nicola, you had something you wanted to say? So yeah, so for you, it's not a prayer. It's, it's, it's a tangible thing, experiencing Jesus and having a relationship with him, but choosing to enter into that. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So let me, let me give you just a, a bit of a, a framework. What I, what I want to do is I want to give you the three main views that the church has always held as possible views. Um, and you might not experience this if you go to certain churches. The pastor might be like, no, that's completely heresy or whatever. But you'll never find a theologian that will tell you that any of these three are heresy because all three of them have always been believed in the Christian church. Um, and so you have, you have three main views. Um, you've got eternal torment, annihilationism, and Christian universalism. Okay, And so eternal torment is what most Christians in the Western evangelical worlds grow up understanding, which is you have a, a decision point at some point. It might be a prayer. It might be um, accepting Jesus as your savior. It might be um, connecting with Jesus or whatever. It might not even work in the church. It might be someone in a tribe in Africa or something, but they, but they still have a moment where they, they make that decision, some sort of decision, some sort of choice, something. Um, and in that place, um, there's, a, there's a line drawn in the sand. You make the right choice, you go to heaven forever. You make the wrong choice, you go to hell forever. Um, and, and hell is a place of eternal torment. You are eternally punished for saying no, basically. Um, now, the Bible has many scriptures that seem to support that. Um, uh, what we'll find is that the Bible has many scriptures that support every one of these three views. That's why all three are possible and all three are not heretical. So you've got at least about 20, 30 scriptures that strongly su seem to support each view. Um, and what you'll find is that each view just chooses to go, yeah, but my scriptures are better, right? 
And we do that. We do that all the time. I mean, that's how we read the Bible. So we go, yeah, there's a Bible verse that says dash babies on the rocks. And there's another one that says kill every man, woman, and child. But I've got another Bible verse that says God is love. And it's better, right? And so that's the verse I'm picking. And that's a good way to read the Bible because that's a better scripture that is more clear because it's, it's, it's given through the lens of Jesus. It's given through the lens of who God is in the light of Jesus. Whereas the older passages were... Uh, there's some ambiguity as to how we should be applying those. And also they may be not directly applicable to us. And so basically what each group will do, regardless of their beliefs, so whether they're eternal torment, annihilationism, or universalism, they all just go, well, my set of scriptures are the better ones. They're the more clear ones. So it clearly says that it's about eternal torment. And these passages about annihilationism or Christian universalism, we're just misreading them. And we need to reread them in light of my scripture. Now, the problem you have is then the next group come along and do exactly the same. And so it's, it's, not, it's not a black and white thing, right? It's like um, uh, predestination or free will. Well, the scriptures that seem to support both, and all we do is we go, well, but these are clearer, and therefore we need to read these in light of this. And so um, one thing I will say, um, um, one thing I will say is be very careful to just grab your Bible and go, well, there's a Bible verse here that clearly says it to me, and therefore that's what I believe. Because any Bible verse you pull, I'll give you another 20, 30 verses that say the opposite, um, whatever one you end up thinking. And so um, it's not to say that the Bible um, doesn't have the answers. It's not to say that we can't use the Bible to guide us in our, in our journey of figuring out what we believe. But it is to say that the Bible is not black and white on this topic. Um, the, the second view... Um, that people hold to is something called annihilationism. And annihilationism takes a few... Annihilationism. annihilationism. <laughs> um, it's, it's something that um, has, has a few different uh, flavors, a few different um, ways to look at it, but it's very basic um, uh, core. It's probably, honestly, the most compatible with the Jewish uh, uh, people because Jews didn't believe in hell, which is maybe a shock to you. Jews didn't believe in hell at all until about 300 B, uh, uh, AD. And so, or BC, sorry. Right before Jesus came along was the first time they started to believe in hell. In fact, if you read your Old Testament, hell isn't in there. There's two passages that seem to talk about hell, and neither do. Um, you've got Isaiah, um, where it talks about uh, the bodies being burned and eaten by worms. Well, first of all, they're dead bodies being eaten by worms and burned. It's not talking about people alive in hell, suffering or in pain. There's no, there's no pain. There's no suffering at all. They're just bodies being burned. Um, and then you have uh, a passage in Daniel which talks about people being raised up um, to life or to death. But again, it's not exactly clear. And so annihilationism is this, um, the second uh, view, um, is the concept that based on that decision, so still there's a decision process in, in place. So whatever that looks like, whether it's a sinner's prayer, whether it's you connect with Jesus and you, you choose to live for Jesus, whatever it looks like, um, that, that is another topic of what is the, the moment of salvation for people. Um, but regardless of that, that line in the sand, depending on which side of the fence you fall, um, some will go to eternal life if they make the right choice and others will go to eternal death if they make the wrong choice, but eternal death doesn't look like eternal torment. So eternal torment, the belief was you go to hell and you're punished forever. You're burned and you're tormented and you're tortured forever. Annihilationists can look like a few different things, but the two main things would be either you cease to exist. God just wipes you out. You eternally cease to die. You, you die. You're eradicated. And, and again, like I said, there's multiple scriptures for each one of these. And so um, the scriptures that you would see with this, um, there's many, many scriptures that talk about um, you perish, you cease to exist, you're destroyed, you're wiped out. You know, these kind of very final just kind of descriptions. If, if you believe in eternal torment, one of the problems you have is there's many scriptures that talk about perishing or destruction, eternal destruction. How can you eternally be destroyed? You can't be destroyed forever. Destroyed, the very nature of destroyed is there's a, there's a moment where you're done now. You know, you couldn't like go over to that table and destroy it for eternity. <laughs> Like the very nature of destroying it is at a certain point it's, it's destroyed. Um, and so that would be, um, again, there's probably 20, 30 scriptures that very strongly seem to suggest um, uh, and support the concept of annihilationism. And so annihilationists would believe that there's a, a, a finite moment where now you cease to exist. You're snuffed out. 
you, you're done. And, uh, and a lot of people uh, lean towards annihilationism, um, not just for the scriptures, because like I said, all three of these are very strongly supported in scripture. A lot of it, if we're honest, what we choose to pick is typically a lot more biased based on what we want to believe, um, which is, you know, um, that's, that's fair. And actually, if we're honest with that, that helps us read the Bible much more honestly and, and we can approach the Bible and, and critique it and, 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 and really allow it to sharpen us and challenge us more if we're honest with that. Um, and, and a lot of it is because it seems much nicer, right? Well, my granddad didn't say the prayer. The thought of him being tortured 13 trillion years later for what he did in 70 years, when actually he was quite a nice guy. I've probably done worse, you know? It's like, that's a hard one to stomach, especially when we go, but God's really nice and loving, right? This seems like a really unjust thing. I mean, even Hitler, about 17 trillion years in, it seems like he's paid his dues. You know what I mean? Like, right on our like insignificant human minds, you know, of how we process things, because we don't know in the same way that God knows things. Um, but that's why a lot of people lean towards annihilation because there's, there's, a, there's a finite thing of like, okay, that's it. And actually, a lot of annihilationists believe um, some are raised up to eternal life and some are just wiped out, eternal death. But actually, most annihilationists believe there is a process of punishment. And so what that looks like, again, is a very broad topic. You know, each of these, each of these groups have quite a broad range of what it looks like. Eternal torment is probably one of the most... Uh, one of the more narrow views where it really kind of just looks like, for the most part, maybe one or two different options. Um, annihilationists, they would believe, most would believe that this punishment period does happen. So some are raised up for eternal life, experience joy and glory and abundant life, and others are, are raised up for eternal death to be tormented and to be punished, but typically for a short season of time. And that would maybe depend on how bad you were. Um, it might depend on uh, a few other variations, how graceful God feels towards you. Um, might even have a process. Some believe there's a process of, of you um, having some sort of penance, and then that's when God mercifully ends it all. Um, and so there's quite a few different views in this, in this group of uh, annihilationists. Um, and again, very common belief, uh, early church, both of those were very commonly believed, as was the third topic, which would be uh, the third option, which would be this concept of Christian universalism or because the, the term universalism has quite a negative connotation because a lot of people think of it as all roads lead to heaven. Um, a, a lot of people call it more ultimate reconciliation. Um, um, and that is the, the concept that ultimately all will be reconciled. Um, and so Christian universalism is very different to universalism. So universalism um, is and always has been a heresy in the church, which is that everyone will go to heaven regardless of um, what they do, what they believe, it's all good. They'll go to heaven. Um, Christianity is that, but they have a very significant point at the end of that. All people will go to heaven, regardless of what they do, regardless of what they believe, because Jesus died for them and will convince them eventually. And so the, the Christian universalist believes that, um, that heaven and hell are both very real. Very, very few Christian universalists don't believe in hell, although again, as these kind of uh, change, you'll find uh, eternal torment is a, quite narrow. It's very much a, look, you get go, go to heaven, go to hell. Hell looks bad. Heaven looks good. That's basically it. Annihilationism, you go to heaven. Same sort of principle if we're fairly rigid on what heaven looks like. It's pretty good. Um, hell, okay, there's a few options here. It might be a, a while. It might be a short period of time. It might not exist at all. You might just, hell is to be, cease to exist. Within Kishiburism, there's so much breadth of what it can look like um, because there's... Um, this huge range of how do people ultimately become reconciled to God. Um, but one thing that's actually very rare in Christian universalism is that people die and they go straight into heaven. Very, very rare. You'll find very few Christian universalists that believe that. So a lot of the people's kind of uh, ob objection is, well, well, it's not fair. Like, you know, like I die and I go to heaven and then Hitler dies and he goes to heaven. Well, well, that's not fair. And it's like, well, well, first of all, I actually don't know if Hitler was a believer or not. I don't know what happened, you know, as he's pulling the trigger in the bunker. I don't know any, anything to do with Hitler. I have no knowledge of his life really whatsoever, apart from what I read in a history book. So I'm not going to sit and judge whether Hitler's in heaven or not anyway. Um, but what I do know is you can pick the worst person on the planet, and most Christians, uh, universalists, would, would see them as going to hell. Um, 
However, hell is always a restorative process in the mind of a Christian universalist. So it's a process of suffering, of pain, of torment, of hurt, of, of, of anguish, of being far from God, of being distant to God, but one in which at the very forefront is the Father God with his arms wide open saying, I am not doing this to you, and I want you to come and join me over here. I really, really, really want you here. And I've done everything. I always have done everything. There's never been a moment where you weren't accepted or loved. Please come and join me. Um, and so uh, there's, the, uh, there's a whole multitude of ways that looks like. Um, some people believe hell is a place that is separate from God. It's distant. It's, it's separation from God. And, and that process brings them into um, the presence of God. Other people believe it is um, being in the presence of God, but it's not fun. Because, you know, if you look at the... Um, at the Bible, there's many responses to God. You know, when God shows up, but there's many responses, but typically they fall into one of two brackets. One, the person is, uh, loves Jesus is it, or loves God, is in a healthy relationship with God. How do they respond? They worship God. They get excited. They dance. They rip off their clothes and dance. They, get, um, they fall on their face in adoration. They're excited. They love the presence of God. The other option is they're not so sure where they stand with God. <laughs> Typically, they feel like they don't stand very well before God. And what do they do? Woe is me. Get away from me, God. I'm too impure. I'm not fit to be around you. They get on their face. They're, they're covering themselves in dirt. You know what I mean? There's, and who's different? Not God. God's presence is there. God shows up and his presence is there. And actually, the response is based on where am I? Who am I? And how do I see myself? And so a lot of Christian universities would actually argue um, uh, a great example of this, um, and not many people know this, is Christian, uh, C.S. Lewis was a Christian universe, an ultimate re- reconciliationist. Um, and he believed heaven and hell were the same place, but it was based on how we ourselves saw ourselves. How would we respond to God? Um, and so he believed that ultimately all would be reconciled, but he did believe that some people would take a fair few billion years to get there, <laughs> right? And And, you know, We've all met people that are stubborn enough that I could see them taking a few billion years to warm up to God as well. Um, and so, but the, the important part of understanding Christian universalism is, again, like I said, all three of these opinions were held very uh, popularly uh, throughout the early church. And actually, even today in theological cir- uh, issues, uh, theological circles, you'll never see uh, theologians take issue with any one of these three um, beliefs and say that's heretical. You'll see many pastors, you'll see many uh, Christians that have a, a rudimentary understanding of, of church history, of, of, the, of the Bible, and they'll go, well, this is what the Bible clearly says. And, and I, honestly, it's just ignorance because the Bible doesn't clearly say this or this or this. It actually seems to support whichever one. And it really is a, a, a position where we grab the, the verses that support what we currently believe or want to believe, and when we read the other ones in light of that. But you could do it with any of them. Um, and actually, I'll, what I can do is I'll, I'll try and get you the verses. I can give you the verses. You can read through the verses for each um, of the options. And, and some of them you can be like, oh, well, I can twist that quite easily. And that, that's clearly actually, while people use it to support eternal torment, really that could support this as well. But there's plenty of ones that you really don't know what to do with. There's nothing left to do with it, and it doesn't fit whichever theology you end up falling in with these three options. Um, so why am I saying this? Like, the reason I'm saying it is because, like I said, um, if, if our actions come from our beliefs and our beliefs come from uh, or our beliefs uh, are something that we, we found in the, in, in the secret place with God, in this place of, of, of intimacy with God, um, we need to have a framework in which we can build our beliefs. And a lot of us haven't been given a framework to build our beliefs. And actually, what I found is actually, in, uh, and maybe in some of the topics I'll talk about in the future as well, but this is a topic of, when I consider most of the topics I talk about, people sigh with relief when I talk about this. Because actually, what's interesting is most people don't believe what they believe when it comes to heaven and hell. I, I, I've, in, in my experience in Christianity, most people don't believe in eternal torment, but they have nothing else to believe because that's all they've got. It's the boxes, eternal torment, and they believe it. You ask them about heaven and hell, they'll give you answers about heaven and hell that look like that. And then you go, have you ever considered annihilationism? And they go, oh, that makes me feel a lot better because I don't believe that God would torment someone for trillions of years. Actually, that makes me feel much better that actually there's, a, there's an end point to that. that it's, it's, um, it's just because I don't see how 80 years of bad behavior 
is justly responded with billions of years of torture, you know, or whatever it is. Um, or maybe, the, you know, like they go, oh, my gosh, yeah, actually, that makes much more sense. I, I think I'm a Christian universalist or whatever it is. And, and, and so the only reason I give you is, is ha- a lot of us have these beliefs that we can't allow to formulate and produce fruit in our life because we don't have the, the, the box that allows our beliefs to flourish and grow. Um, and so I'm not telling you to be an, uh, someone who supports eternal torment annihilationism or christian universalism i think that ultimately because the bible isn't black and white about it i cannot be prescriptive and tell you this is what you should believe i just can't it's, it wouldn't be fair for me to tell you what my conviction is and say do what i think is right and um, but actually what i am challenging you to do is go is is seek out what you feel convicted of and and i think the only thing that we can really do with this is to live wholeheartedly with our conviction because um, what happens is when we don't have the framework that allows for our beliefs. So, you know, right at the beginning, I'm asking you, what do you think heaven and hell looks like? Some of you seem to suggest that you probably actually would stand towards annihilationism. If not, some of you actually probably um, would believe or at least entertaining the thought of Christian universalism. If you don't have a box to allow that belief to flourish, the, the, the fruit that you want to have in your life of pulling people in and going, hey, God is so good. And actually, he's, he's got you anyway. He's going to get you anyway. Kind of like... That's, a, that's an exciting thing to preach. That's pretty good news, actually. You know, a lot of people say, well, um, uh, well, I'll allow, uh, well, I believe in eternal torment, but I'll allow annihilationism because it's still at least there's black and white elements to it. But this is too gray for me. I don't like it. And what it means is you won't preach the gospel because there's no urgency. And actually, there's deep urgency to that. And actually, if anything, there's more motivation because now I've got a really good gospel to preach. And so um, on one level, whilst there's not the urgency of you're going to burn in hell forever, still going to go through a hellish process i don't want anyone to go through that if, if, if you're believing christian universalism you still don't want people to suffer for any more time than they need to but actually there's this motivation um of wow i'm preaching about a god who is really passionate about you and this is what it looks like and so um again there's this, this um there's this breadth of uh there's this huge window of what is permissible in the theology of the afterlife But what I want to hammer down uh, first and foremost, okay, is that heaven and hell are not about the afterlife in the Bible. They're just not. When it talks about heaven and hell in the Bible, 80% of the time, and when Jesus talks about it, 99% of the time, it's about right now. You get to experience hell or you get to experience heaven right now. Which are you going to experience? And and I think a lot of times we put off heaven and hell into the future. And I believe deeply in a heaven and hell that is coming. Um, but I think we do ourselves a huge disservice when we make it about the afterlife. Because eternal life starts now. Eternal life doesn't start when you croak. You know, We get to step into eternal life right now. And we get to experience heaven and hell right now. And actually, Jesus is calling us to save people from hell on earth. And to bring heaven on earth and i think if we don't make that a focus um you know i if if i if my goal is to get someone that's experiencing hell on earth today there's a single mom who's got no money who's struggling her kids are going to get taken off her she's going to end up on the streets that's hell i don't care what you are saying that woman is going through hell and I get, to, I get to bring the kingdom of heaven by loving a widow, by looking after the orphan, by looking after um, the poor and the homeless. And, you know, I get to bring the kingdom of God. And I get to bring heaven into that person's life. The, the thing is, if I focus on eradicating hell on earth and bringing heaven on earth, I don't have to worry about heaven and hell to come. Because I'm bringing heaven to them now, they're going to get to heaven. Do you know what I mean? If I get people into relationship with God now, I get people into uh, an encounter with God now, then my view on salvation, my view on heaven, and my view on hell are utterly irrelevant as long as I'm bringing people into relationship with Jesus right now, today. And I think this is, this is why we see again and again and again in the scriptures when they're talking about this hell, this heaven, they're talking about it on earth. Let's make it now. Let's bring it now. Um, and so again, while, while there's permission, you know, like you're saying, Chris, you've been wrestling with it for a while and you don't know there's so much permission to not know with this topic because it is, uh, in some ways, an unknowable topic. I mean, we've been just debating this for a couple of thousand years and no one really knows. Um, and anyone that thinks they know will get up there and give a debate and get schooled, right? Because they don't know. 
that was quite impressive. You see, I hit a fly onto the other hand. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Sorry, Rebecca. Um, but, you know, we, we don't know. And I think that's, that's important to, it's important to embrace some of the grays in the Bible. And, and yet, whilst we do that, we have to live with conviction based on what, where we're at right now. God, what, what are you calling me to believe? And, you know, it's one of those painful things we've talked about before. You know, like some, uh, some really well-respected pastors we really respect believe that the world is going to get worse and worse and worse. And they love God and they're really passionate people that hear God's voice. And you're like, but then there's another pastor I really respect and I really love. And they think the world's going to get better and better and better. And it's like, well, which one is right? Is God lying to one of them? Or, you know, I mean, I don't understand that. And, and honestly, this is another topic that falls into that bracket of like, well, what? Is God lying to two thirds of the people? Or is it like, it can't be all three. I don't, I don't understand how it could be all three. And so like, it's like, or does God just apparently not care enough to just give us a black, white answers? Like, that annoys me, right, if I'm honest. I'm like, come on, God, seriously. Um, but what I do know is that if you live with conviction based on what you believe and you focus um, that conviction into bringing people into heaven now and out of hell now, you'll, you'll have a good time and you'll have good fruit and the amount of people that are going to be in heaven with you are going to be more. Like, there's no way you can have a, 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 a negative impact by making your goal, I'm going to find hell on earth and I'm going to bring heaven. Um, and so I think whilst I want to give you permission to start exploring this topic and thinking, okay, God, what do I believe? Is what I believe good? Is this right? And, you know, some of you guys might be grappling with Christian Christianism, and as you actually start looking at it, you're going to be like, uh, there, there are scriptures for this, and it does make me feel better, but actually... There's the scriptures that support annihilationism or Christian uh, or Christian torment, eternal torment. Um, no Christians were tormented in eternal torment. Um, <laughs> those are more compelling to me. And, and you'll, you'll find. So I'm not even trying to um, convince people that uh, believe in um, what most evangelicals believe. I'm not trying to move you from one side to the other. I'm trying to go, please think about the breadth of this, because actually, on some levels, your belief and what you do find yourself convinced of and the conviction that you live within will have bearing, you know? You see people that strongly believe in eternal torment, um, who believe in predestination, um, really struggle in life, right? Because they feel they're called to save people, but they go out there and they tell people, well, some are predestined to go straight to hell, but God's loving. And, uh, 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 and, and they find themselves all tangled up because they don't really know any other way to preach it. There is no other way to preach that combination. Um, Eternal torment's much easier when we believe in free will and much easier, right? Because at least we go, well, you chose not to go there. It's really hard when we go, well, God said he just made you. And he's like, meh, it's fine. Heaven, heaven, hell, 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 hell. Meh, it's fine. One third will go to heaven. Like, but that's what some people genuinely believe with a, with a predestined uh, view of uh, the phrenology of God. And, and so... Um, so it's, it's really important you grapple with this stuff because actually people are going to ask you. People on the street are going to go. What about, so you were saying Rob was asking you about how. Like, you know, people that don't have an experience of church and don't have an experience, they're going to sit and go, well, what is this about? Um, and especially people that don't have a, 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 a box that they've been given in church because actually um, there, there isn't that, that box necessarily when we look at it from a theological place. Um, maybe from a... a uh, historical last six seven hundred years historically the church has pretty much exclusively the western church um, has exclusively taught eternal torment or maybe allowed a little bit of annihilationism they pretty much let go of um, christian universalism predominantly because there were universalists in who started to come into the church and started to preach not a christian universalist not an ultimate reconciliation through christ but actually a Oh, those people in Asia, the Buddhists and the Hindus, they're right as well. And, and the Muslims, we should get on with them because they're right as well. And so they, they didn't preach Jesus. They preached it's all good. And so what happened is they threw the, the whole uh, process out in a pastoral attempt. Um, but theologically, it was never in question because that wasn't what Christian universalism was teaching, if that makes sense. Um, and so similar to you know how healing got thrown out with the Reformation because um, Martin Luther needed to discredit the Catholic Church. And so he was like, nope, solo spiritura, it's only about the Bible. We can't have healing because the Catholics are healing people. 
And so the Catholics were like, well, you might have a better interpretation. You might say it's not about works, but we're healing people. And so Martin Luther went, well, yeah, but healing isn't for today. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't have a leg to stand on. This Sola Scriptura guy didn't have a scripture really for it. He managed to wangle one. Um, but, like, you know, it's very quick. When it comes to pastoral issues, um, uh, the church is very quick to throw out theology that isn't easy to pastor and isn't easy to be black and white. Um, it's why we have teaching on tithing rather than teaching on generosity. Because generosity is hard to make people give when you just go, hey, yeah, just be generous. It's much easier to give when you just, well, look, what do you make? 20 grand? Give me two. Like, it's just easier. And people tend to want it as well. And the truth is, and this is honestly, if we're honest, we kind of want the black and white. I'd much rather you told me which one of the three is right. And actually, even if one of the three right, can you then refine it? Well, annihilation is right. Okay, well, how long? Tell me how long people go. You know, I want, just tell me the, the answer. Just give me a black and white. Yeah, I would so prefer a Bible that was just like 100 pages long and it just answered all the questions I had. Just, yep, this is it. One line, that's it. Next line, that's it. I would actually really prefer that because it's just my personality, I think. I just like some solid answers. I don't like the ambiguity. And yet I'm learning that in the ambiguity is where we connect with God the most. And it's where we learn to dream with God. It's where we learn to discover the heart of God. It's where we learn to ask why. I mean, if, if nothing else, go to God and ask, why haven't you made it abundantly clear in the scripture what the afterlife looks like? Because that to me is like, we've got like 120 years on the earth. I mean, why are you not focusing on telling us what the next billions and billions and billions of years are? And he's like, eh, whatever. Let's focus on the earth right now. I mean, if nothing else, that's a very strong statement. Why aren't you telling us what the afterlife looks like? Well, I'm telling you what now looks like. That should really challenge us. Kind of what you're talking about, the fear, the future, this whole thing. Like, don't live in the future. Live now. Embrace now. Change now. I, I can't really control ultimately whether someone goes to heaven or hell. I can't, you know, I can't force them to say a prayer. You know, we talked about that a bit earlier as well. Like, you know, like, yeah, sure. Maybe they say a prayer and they go to heaven and they don't say a prayer and they go to hell. But like, if I make them say a prayer, like at gunpoint, I'm not sure that works. <laughs> and yet that's kind of what the crusades look like, right? I mean, like literally join Christianity or we'll run you through with a sword. I'm like, I'm not sure any real committed passionate jesus loving christians were made in that process because <laughs> i don't love the jesus that did that especially because my wife didn't say yes and they killed her you know what i mean it's like wow i really love your jesus and so i think it's all about heaven and earth uh, heaven on earth it's about hell on earth it's about eradicating hell on earth it's about bringing heaven on earth and in the process of figuring it out don't lose sight of that because that is black and white that is clear like you're called to love the poor, you're called to home the homeless, you're called to look after the widows and the orphans and the broken and the lost and to heal the sick and deliver the demon-possessed and, and, and make disciples. Tell people what Jesus looks like. Show people what Jesus looks like and help them walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Reveal to them who they are as sons and daughters of Christ. That stuff is, is as black and white as it gets. There's no ambiguity. There's no question. That's what we do. We are his kids and that's what we do. And so juggle it, balance it, figure it all out, like do all that stuff, absolutely. But don't lose sight of the actual goal, which is heaven on earth. I'll stop there. This may be questions. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, and like, that's great. That's what I want to do. Um, how do I tell? Okay. Um, yeah, Let, let's, let's do some Q&A if you guys have questions or thoughts or um, or whatever, that's great. And, and I'm happy to talk about any one of those as well in a little bit more detail because I know I, I just glossed over them as, as views. Um, and, and there's a whole spectrum of, of different ways to interpret those um, different views. And, um, but yeah. In Spanish. Like the universe is disbelieved, like, like 
I just want to know, I just want to get clear with the yeah. family like the difference between Christian universalism and then Christian universalism. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, To be honest with you, it's quite interesting because they're, on the surface, there's very little. Like, So you have universalists believe all, everyone will get to heaven eventually somehow, but that's just the way it is. Um, so if I believe in Allah and I'm a Muslim and I pray five times a day, I observe the the different holidays and do all the different bits and pieces, I'm going to get to heaven. Or a Buddhist goes, yeah, if I seek enlightenment and I do all this, and I will get to heaven. Um, a universalist will go, yeah, they're probably all right. We all will get there one day because we all worship the same God or we all do this or we all do that. And so um, there's a very holistic universal kind of concept. The Christian universalist is um, going to look on to those religions and go, they're all going to make it one day to be with me. In, Christian, in, in, in heaven because of what Jesus has done. So they're worshiping the wrong gods. They're maybe doing the wrong things. They're observing the wrong holidays. They're observing the wrong prayers. They're praying to nobody or a demon or um, uh, maybe some of them believe they're praying to God. They just don't understand and don't have the right words or framework or anything like that, but God will honor it and, 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 and use it as part of their journey, but it is wrong. It's not Jesus. They're not connecting through Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, a, a Christian wouldn't attribute that. You know, they wouldn't say that they have the Holy Spirit. They wouldn't say they have, you know, relationship with Jesus. Um, although there's, there's examples. We've talked about this of like, you know, you go into a desert island or something and they come across like a bunch of people and they've been worshiping Jesus. They just didn't know his name. And so I, I don't want to remove that element of it because I'm sure that there is elements of that. I'm sure there's people in, in the Middle East that are worshiping Jesus and they don't know his, well, Middle East is probably a bad example because they do know who Jesus is. But you know, there's probably people in the Tibetan mountains that worship Jesus and don't know who he is. Um, so I don't want to remove that. But, but the Christian universes would look at it and go, but despite all the error, so they're not saying it's right. They're saying it's wrong. It's not right. We follow Jesus. Jesus is the only way. But they're saying, but Jesus has made the way for all. And I, and, and, and I believe as a Christian universalist that that is going to happen one way or another. God is not going to let people fall through the cracks because they were born in the wrong part of the world, because they're stubborn, because they only got one person once told them about Jesus and the guy was a bit of a jackass. You know, because let's face it, some people's only experience of Jesus is, I don't know, a missionary coming over, telling them they're all wrong and they're heretics and they're going to burn in hell forever unless they change their ways. And they go, well, we're actually really happy and we're in a lovely community and we love our God. And, and they're thinking, who is this guy? You know? Um, and so, you know, the Christian versus goes, well, that's not going to be held against them. God is going to do something. And, you know, it might happen in the seconds before death. We don't know what happens. I mean, how many, you know, um, uh, after death experiences of people had of heaven and hell and coming back and all that. We don't know what goes on in those moments. I mean, some crazy stuff appears to be happening in those moments. Um, and so, I don't know, does everyone right at the death, right before they die, do they get this moment where God goes, all right, hold on, let's freeze frame. We'll take this last second and we'll make it last three hours. I'm God. You may have heard of Jesus. I know you heard of Jesus through that guy. Trust me, Bob, he's getting in on, like, he, he's, he's qualifying, but he's a bit of an ass i agree you know but don't get take what he said because he was wrong this is what i really look like um there's a famous uh theologian thomas aquinas who said um there's only one reason that people reject god only one reason that people reject jesus because they don't know who he is they said if you know who jesus is if you truly know who jesus is if you truly believe that he believes in you that he sees you as he as he sees himself as uh, he loves you that he accepts you completely as you are you accept him the only reason you don't is because you don't believe that he sees you that way. You don't believe that he could see you that way. You don't believe he could be that good. You don't believe, you know, this fear because you don't believe in the love. And he says, but what God allows people to make a decision in that place and be permanent. So his view was really a loving God at some point goes, hold on. I know you've seen all this and you've heard all this about me, but this is who I am. You get at least one chance to see me for who I truly am. And he believed some people, um, they would have the opportunity to deny it. But he said, who could deny God? When you're stripped away from all your baggage and your suffering and your pain and your whatever, and you're left just in the face of God, and God goes, this is who I truly am. I love you. Do you want to come and spend eternity with me? He says, who would say no? And so he was a, a Christian universalist um, uh, a few hundred years ago. Um, and, and so it's not about their life, it's not about their lifestyle, it's not about their gods, that, that all is wrong. But the belief of the Christian universe is God is bigger than 
how messed up they are in their faith. Um, and ultimately, whilst Adam screwed up everything for everyone, Jesus really did fix everything for everyone. And, and they really would hold that, um, that that's just not big enough. And it might take thousands and thousands of years. You know, a great book to read would be The Great Divorce. Um, it's Chris, uh, C.S. Lewis's um, book on um, this picture of heaven and hell. And it's funny because he starts the book and he goes, let me say this clearly does not say what I believe about heaven and hell. Then he outs himself in some later books where he actually just reveals himself to be an ultimate reconciliationist. Um, but basically the whole concept is that there's this bus full of people that are in hell and they go for a day trip to heaven and they just can't cope. And each bit by bit by bit, um, the further into heaven they go, they turn around and they go, I can't cope with this. It's too much. Um, and, and there's this thing of, um, there's this thing of, in the light of God, in the light of perfection, darkness can't cope. It can't be. You know, you can't have fear and be faced with love. And one of you is going to have to give. And, and the view of the Christian universe is, is that fear might win occasionally, here and there, over the next 20 years, 1,000 years, mill- millennia you know millions of years billions of years they don't know like there's no fixed and hard fast rule on that but what they do know is long term fear doesn't beat love and love is relentless love doesn't cease and god doesn't stop um you know the the concept of the the um uh, we see revelation the spirit and the bride say come and there's this eternal element this is this is this is in the new heaven and new earth right so this is post uh death the spirit and the bride are saying, come. Well, who are they saying come to? You know, so that's a, a good revel, uh, verse for kind of this uh, universalistic, this posthumous opportunity. And, and you see in um, Peter as well. Um, and again, you, you'll see in my descriptions here, I'm maybe, I'm, I'm sharing a lot about Christianity, but a lot of it's because we don't know much about it. I, I'm sure you've heard a lot of sermons or have a lot of teaching or understanding of what eternal torment looks like. And, and also because it's a lot more simplistic. Um, but one of the, the concepts, again, for that, like at, at death, there's maybe an opportunity. Um, people go, well, you have, it's appointed to man to die once and, and to be judged. But that's not about us. It's about Jesus, um, the passage. Um, and actually, there's just as much evidence in, this, in the scripture that people get to be saved after they die. It happens in Peter, doesn't it? Jesus goes down to hell and he preaches the gospel to people that were disobedient, that didn't follow God. And they get saved. Um, and so, um, you know, the... the if we're going to just pick a random verse and be like, this is a theology, I think picking either verse to make a theology is a very poor choice. I don't, I don't think that we can necessarily say that's going to happen to every person based on one scripture talking about people that were disobedient to God in the Old Testament. Um, you know, I don't know if we can say that. And then you go, well, it's outside of time. That was probably everyone in the entire history of the universe. Maybe, I don't know. Like, again, we're picking and choosing scriptures and we're feeding in our wants and desires into it. And I think, this is the thing to be careful of is, is you have to be honest. Whatever you're going to do about this theology, you've got to be brutally honest with you. What you choose to believe is probably going to be what you want to believe. Be aware of that. Like, please grab a hold of that and go, God, I know I'm biased. I know I'm reading into this theology because I want my uncle to go to heaven who died last year. Or I want to, um, or I want my, you know, a lot of Christians, they want eternal torment because that's what they need. They need punishment. They need an answer for the, the painful horrible things people have done in this life and they don't get punished for it and god is going to be just and he'll bring and so whatever it is whichever one you're you're leaning towards you've got to be honest and go this is a lot more about me than the bible whatever your theology lands you on it's probably going to say more about you than it does about the bible because the bible supports all three fairly well um but yeah sorry that was a ramble based on a question That's huge, yeah, thank you. And then, you know, like, because, like, I just, I just got friends of the things that, like, they've had, like, prophetic words from people who are, like, religious and, like, virtuous and things like that. And they're, like, oh, yeah, but, like, that was from Jesus. 
I'm slightly aware from the mm-hmm. health thing, but it's like, I don't know, I'm struggling at the moment to explain that, like, you know, because it's like, we just think that, like, God is all of it, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's still like, so it's like, Christian, but still sort of in the mindset that, like, God is, like, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that you can, because I know God can speak to people who are Christian, but, like, where do you draw the line there? Like, where do you say, like, actually, like, that person listens to things, like, and then, you know, is that person actually hearing Jesus, but you just don't know, but they've, like, put a different label on it, and they are actually operating in the Holy Spirit, like, for me, it's about gifting. So the gifts are irrevocable. So God gives you a gift that, you know, I'm going to make you clearly be able to discern spiritual voices and, 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 and articulate that well. You know, that's a gift of prophecy is I hear from above and I share it. But it's, um, imagine this room, uh, you know, you're God in this example. The rest of you are demons, all right? Good luck. Um, all right? And so I, if I have a relationship with Jesus, I know I want to hear what God's saying. I go to you. I say, hey, Rachel, what are you saying right now? And I can share that immediately. Um, if I just have a gift to hear spiritual voices um, and all five of you are speaking at once, every now and again, I'm going to hear your voice and I'm going to share something and it is going to be good. And, and I am picking up and God, God doesn't stop speaking to us based on whether we're worshiping another demon or hearing from something. But the thing is, there's a lot of voices and there's only one Jesus that's speaking. And I think... Um, so, yeah, you might hit the money every now and again because you have that gift and you can hear his voice. The problem is you're not choosing to hear only his voice. And I think that's the difference. Um, and so I think it's just, um, and, and again, this is the difference. The universe is it's a, there's a better way. Like, yeah, this is probably going to pan out all right for you, but I'd much rather it pan out extraordinary for you every second of every day from this moment on. Um, and it's like, you know what? You, you do hear from Jesus at times and it's stunning. Wouldn't you like to do that every time? And you know what? You know those times where you're just like, you're on the money when you give that prophetic words? Wouldn't you like that to be every time? Because I can tell you how to make it every time. Because I can silence all the other voices that aren't giving you the good stuff or aren't giving you stuff that's bringing life and, and you know, well-being and, and this encouragement and all this different stuff. I can help you silence that out and hone in on just that life-giving one. You know, every now and again, you just feel like you just hit the groove and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, this is really powerful. I can teach you how to grab a hold of that and silence the rest. And I think that's that's what we're offering here is, you know, I'm sure there are Muslims that feel peace at times. There are, you know, Buddhists and whatever. Maybe feel more peace than me sometimes. I tell you, it wouldn't be hard at times. But it's a thing of like, look, you know what? Maybe some of the systems and regulations you have are bringing you um, some elements of what it is to be in the kingdom of God. Because you know what? God's good and he causes it to rain on all his kids. You know, he, he really does bestow his goodness and every good gift comes from God. And so I think God's so gracious to us and he loves people really in the most messed up of circumstances. You know, I know people that have nothing to do with Jesus, don't want anything to do with Jesus, and he still blesses their socks off. You know, I can see it in their lives. And yet my, my um, privilege is to get to highlight that and go, man, look at what God's doing in your life. You know, I've been praying for you and that's like this. And, and look, do you want to step into this? I know that you feel it at times, but... I can show you how to step into that every moment of every day. And, and it's this, this privilege we have, again, of hell on earth versus heaven on earth. Like, because the truth is, I've, I've connected with different people of different faiths, and they have their moments, absolutely, and, and certain things work for them. But it's because it's such a work system, it doesn't work all the time, right? Because we're never good at doing our works. Um, even Christianity as a work system is pretty awful, right? Because as soon as you make it a work system, we fall on our face. We can't do it. Um, and it's a, let me show you this other way. Let me show you this amazing opportunity to walk in heaven, to walk in the kingdom, to, to feel complete liberation from the law and from legalism and trying to please God and just walking, being pleased uh, or being God's pleasure. I mean, it's such a privilege that we get to do. Hey. But yeah. like someone is a spiritualist and is a Christian and they probably are really big instead they were like a god in that sense mm-hmm. right but they have like healing power and
through all the whatever, like, and the person feels better or gets healed, not like that, right? Like, what, what do we do with that? Like, because, like, again, like, is it, you know, I think it could be easily twisted and, and saying, like, well, that's, like, like, that's Jesus and he's just using that person and, like, we're just using the wrong name for it, like, but it's, it's like counterfeit, isn't it? Because we're not doing it in Jesus' name. So like what? But they're still, and they can be fine for the rest of forever. Like what? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I just don't know what to do with that stuff. So I'm a bit like, well. <laughs> but it's Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, please. There's an old story in the Old Testament that says, like, my passion is also in you. I came for you to like energy, to work in energy and passion, to have more like angels and all different kinds of stuff. I really like the beginning to have like a message that was really dense and deep and, and give you the like, telling you, could you tell us? Mm-hmm. Fortune tellers, yeah. Fortune tellers, yeah. And I was really like, oh my God, like, I really tried to. She told me about no, and then I did this, and I did this, and then we like didn't have a, and I told her how many no, and I did this, and, and then I talked to this angel, and I said, wow, and I got really afraid of it, to be honest, and we didn't know what to do with it, and what happened if she even texts me now, and it was weird thoughts, and then I tried to convince her in the way of like, okay, it's wrong what you're saying, it's not good, and, and really tried to tell actually like, Jesus, it's not his own way, and, yeah, there's a lot of, was a lot of truth in it, but I said that we got my heart behind it, like, to try to convince her to something, and she was on a totally different thing, yep. and, and so I really, and then I also started to touch, like, I really started to touch her, and to, I don't know, and then because she also told me then, you know, because I think it's the same what you believe, but you just call it different, because I think, like, you know, sometimes I see Jesus, I talk to Jesus, and then I need healing, and I think it's Jesus, and it's not Jesus, and I need a Holy Spirit, I did this I first and I said yes but uh, and she said no I believe in God but not like you guys do like Christians do and, and it was really weird but then but I figured out then through this whole thing like her relationship and my relationship really broke like really mm. bad in a way of just not not totally bad but like there wasn't a con- contact anymore between yeah. us like there was no connection anymore um, and then what happened I, I went to uh, five weeks ago or something I because my my sister is still in Salzburg, and like, and then my sister was then posting about what she's at the moment, what she's at, and training and stuff, and it was so inspiring. Where I see like, yeah, maybe it's like the stuff she does is maybe not from God. This is probably like religious New Age stuff and religious, and but then it's like, God is still totally in control. So I'm like, she sees Jesus, and she describes Jesus. You know, because Jesus is lost. He's He's like when he when he talks to me, and it's like it's been so long since we talked. And yeah, that's actually what Jesus in the Bible was. I believe that you know, and the Holy Spirit is just so mysterious and so tender, but also not gender. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually the Holy Spirit. And so now, and then like because I actually I wrote a letter of like asking forgiveness because I touched some stuff. Mm-hmm. So now what happened was like she like she apologized for that. I, I, like I apologized for that, and then she's like she told me about this thing she's on and it's really like this love like she's really I want to love people and, and I believe this God is doing something in her yeah. whether she knows it or not so I think we also need to get away from this conviction thing yeah. that's what the spirit told her because sometimes there is a power in when you say you know like there is yeah. power in so I wouldn't struggle anymore with this question if you really just believe in power but you touch Jesus actually but does that work? Right? I mean, do they go, oh, no, I'm healing, I'm seeing people healed, I'm helping people see the future, but you're telling me I'm wrong. Well, that's nice. Go away. That's, that, I mean, that would be my response, right? I mean, like, if someone comes up to me and just goes, 
well, Jesus is wrong. Uh, healing in Jesus' name is, is really demonic and it's terrible and, and you can't do that. And I'd be like, well, you know what? My life has completely changed. I see people healed. I hear from God. I've spoken into people's lives and their lives are completely changed. I don't give a flying crap what you think. I mean, right? And that's exactly what she's going to do to you because she's like, I'm seeing people healed. Uh, like, I mean, and, it's, and it's this thing of like, so actually how do we, how do we engage with them? How do we help them on that journey where they're actually seeing jesus and jesus is and they're doing healing through different means and they're using jesus and holy spirit and it's like this is great actually this is amazing because i actually can speak into that now and again like we were talking about rachel like you know you've got all these voices at once it's like now i get to go right have you noticed something about jesus have you noticed how he is love have you noticed how he's he's always doing it so beautifully and so wonderfully and he's more effective or whatever and you go yeah. you could do that all the time like you don't need to use any of these other sources you know but actually it could be all through jesus and actually that's what jesus wants and actually jesus wants just to heal people through you he wants to have a relationship with you and, and it looks like that love and this grace and so it's, it's all about how do we how do we figure out, well, what's God doing? Because I, I firmly believe there's not a person on the planet God's not working with, and he's not talking to, and he's not engaging with. And most of the time, it's not going to be how we want it to work. It's not going to be them coming to church and saying a prayer. It's going to be, I'm healing people demonically, but sometimes Jesus shows up and helps me. And I'm like, okay, ears are pricked up, and I'm like, sometimes Jesus shows up and helps me. Let's focus in on that. Let's talk about that. What does that look like to you? What do you think about Jesus? Like, how does jesus feel differently to the other spirits you're using and all of a sudden we got this conversation and a common ground and it's like i heal always through jesus and it's amazing and i don't see any of these whatever you know you can figure out like what it is that how you can turn it around and go well god's working here he's showing up how can i encourage that and speak into that and and help her take note of what god's doing and actually maybe throw gas on the fire that he's starting it might be a tiny little flame in the corner but i can chuck gasoline on it um, and I think that's our role, isn't it? Like, it's not, same with the, the woman that's, you know, she's prophesying and she's hearing from all these different voices. It's like, don't you just want to hear from this one really good voice rather than the hit and miss approach? Because I can help with that. Um, and it's about how can I bring value to your life? How can I invest in you? How can I make your life better rather than going, oh, see all this great stuff you're seeing? It's wrong. It's like, no one cares. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just not a convincing argument. Um, even if it's right, like, and it is right, but who cares? Like, I don't care. I'm seeing people healed. You can tell me I'm wrong all day. If I'm pulling people out of wheelchairs, I don't care. Um, right? I mean, I just don't. Like, it's, it's, there's nothing you can do with that. Um, you can't, like, tell people they're wrong if they're pulling people out of wheelchairs because I'm not doing that, right? So even less convincing now because I'm like, you're wrong. I know you're you're raising people from the dead, but you're wrong. It's bad. Uh, stop. Do- I know I don't do anything and I've got a headache right now, you know, but, but you're wrong and I'm right. And it's like, this is an amazingly convincing argument we've got here, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Thank you for listening to the I Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.